Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Well, welcome today to Strategies for Turbulent Times. If you've been following along with us, we are going into, gosh, I think our, our fourth or fifth episode here. I'm losing track of the time and the numbers because we have so many guests lined up for you in the future. It is getting more and more enticing. And I have to tell you, it is a wonderful opportunity to learn from so many wonderful professionals about dealing with the unknown. Today, we're going to talk to Joshua Friedman. Uh, in just a, a short while, I'll bring him on. I want to remind everybody that my co-host is Matthew Warner. And Matthew, um, as many of you know, has a very unique background. He dedicated his career in service to the United States Navy, where he helped choose, train, and lead the nation's preeminent top 2% of our U.S. Navy Special Operations. And I just cannot say enough about Matthew and all of the high-risk missions he had around the globe during his 25-year career. Now, Matthew is in a remote area this week, and I doubt if he's going to be able to jump in here. But if he does, we'll certainly let you know. Uh, you know who I am. Uh, I'm not going to go into any of the details. You can do yourself uh, a disservice by, by looking at Google, and uh, you'll see more than you need to know. What I'd like to focus on today is our episode. You know, many of you are in the law enforcement industry or the public safety industry. And as you know, our two sponsors, uh, the new well-being app, MagnusWorks.com, and that's Works with an X, and the National Command and Staff College are here providing us as well with all their latest research-based information to help us cope in these times of trauma, and we hope that you're taking advantage of all the free resources we have for you on our host landing page. So please go there, grab some free stuff. Uh, we had a great webinar yesterday talking about recognizing stress. I'm sure that'll come into a conversation today with, uh, with Josh Friedman. And uh, we're going to be doing two more free webinars uh, in July and I believe that's the 20th and August 17th, and again in September. And again, they're the third Thursday of every month at 12 noon Eastern. So let me jump in here and just give you a little bit about our episode. We've been doing some research because I'm speaking at many conferences this year. I have one coming up at the end of the month at the National Sheriff's Association. Uh, I'll be speaking in the well-being track. And I'll be speaking about stress in the brain. And we know from our current research that 65 to 73% of officers out there believe that their coping mechanisms are only slightly or not at all effective. That's frightening. That's frightening because that means that they are turning to food, alcohol, over-the-counter drugs, and Gosh, we don't know all the different things people are using out there for coping mechanisms, and I'm sure if we asked each and every one of you in our audience, 
you'd have a different perspective on it. But in an age of chaos and an era that intensely, almost violently rejects structure as we know it, the impacts on people like you, our police officers and public safety professionals, is an increasingly challenging job that can push anyone to their limit. Police stress has been categorized as traumatic or routine stress. Let me give you a little background on that. Stress is a fairly new term. It used to be used in areas of architectural building or physics. Stress is new. We're not used to dealing with stress. And it is determined both by frequency and impact on what we know to be your officer well-being. And I want you to understand that there are so many ways that we look at stress. Difficult arrests may feel routine at some point for some of you. Well, one critical incident, and we've been talking about those in all of our shows, and we'll continue to talk about them in our shows, can really be permanently traumatizing. And for those of you who have had that horrible experience, you understand that. But while dealing with stress can manifest itself in many different ways, we should never ignore it. And either of these scenarios will leave officers extremely vulnerable to many different impacts. So we're going to talk today about unlocking emotional and social intelligence and how we have recognized these pathways in research, we've tested them, and how they impact individual well-being factors that underscore our emotional triggers for creating deeper awareness to individual stressors and opportunities for improving and counteracting the impacts of stress in what we know to be a VUCA world, and Matthew talks about this in every episode, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous, and now a new context. B-A-N-I, Banny, brittle, anxious, negative, and incomprehensible. We're going to talk to our guest today, Joshua Friedman, about that. And just a little intro, you know, I love Joshua saying, being smarter with feelings. Josh is one of the most amazing human beings I've experienced in the world. He is a blessing to all of us. Uh, he was gracious enough to invite me to his amazing UN inaugural program, on the world's view on emotional intelligence, and he deals with the world's most challenging and complex situations. And he is the CEO of Six Seconds. He is a master level certified coach through the ICF, and his mission is growing the world's emotional intelligence. Six Seconds supports people and organizations to learn, measure, and practice emotional intelligence, go out there, reach out to them, they're great with families and schools as well as with big companies, and their goal is one billion people practicing the skills of emotional intelligence. He's going to talk to us today about everything he knows about EI and especially the 2023 business case on the subject, which impacts you as an officer because you are the recipient of this unfortunate lowering of emotional intelligence in our communities. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, grateful for the opportunity to connect with people who are at the pointy end of the spear uh, doing um, hard work and really needing these skills. Thanks for listening. It's funny. Matthew calls it the tip of the spork. <laughs> <laughs> 
he likes to he likes to try to lighten things up. But we know this is serious business, and we know those people who are listening are on the receiving end uh, of this serious business. And I want to you know hand this whole show over to you, but I'll just facilitate a few topics that I think our public safety and law enforcement, especially our tactical operators, you know, who are in the thick of this stuff when they least expect it, would like to hear from you. So just start off a little bit um, about you and your career, how you got here, because our audience, I'm sure, would love to get to know you a little better before we dive in. Sure. I I was an entrepreneur. I, I started several companies before I was 20. They all failed. I was a terrible leader. Uh, I stumbled my way into education. Um, I thought it was going to be a temporary gig while my wife was in graduate school. And I fell in love with teaching. And I I was lucky enough to land in a school where emotional development was seen as integral to academic development. And that, uh, that the notion that those two things work together was, and to some degree still is, a radical idea. In um, my time there, uh, one of the things that happened was a, a New York Times uh, journalist named Daniel Goleman came and, and looked at what we were doing and then ended up writing about it in his book on emotional intelligence, which became an international bestseller. And so all of a sudden, people all over the world were calling us and saying, you know, I read this book, Emotional Intelligence Seems So Interesting, but it doesn't explain how. And it sounds like you guys know how to actually grow and use these skills. Can you show us? And so in 1997, we started an organization to focus on that. And, uh, you know, I thought we might be working in California and, and maybe mostly in education. And the first time we ran a public uh, certification course, we had people from six countries, we had people from a military organization from a union, from public service, from banks, from auto industry, uh, as well as uh, uh, K-12 and higher education. And I realized, wow, we have stumbled into this big gap and there's a real need across the world and across sectors. And Kathy, one of the things that they said was, uh, I feel really lonely doing this work. I, I know wow. that there's a better way to handle emotions. I know that we can, I know we can be and do better with this, but I don't have a support network. I don't have people around me. And so we changed our name to uh, Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network at that moment and said, we're going to really build this network. And now we have people in 150 countries like you, who've dedicated their lives to studying and growing capacity with emotions, helping people be smarter with feelings, helping people recognize, look, if we want to be rational, we got to confront reality. People aren't just rational. We've got to get good at this emotional side. And, you know, stuffing the emotions in a closet does not count as getting good with them. So earlier you talked about, you know, coping the way we, a hundred percent of us have coping mechanisms. And, uh, my 22-year-old said this to me yesterday. Uh, some of those coping mechanisms are, are somewhat healthy. Some of them are somewhat unhealthy. Some are, are, are more or less as a continuum. And probably even healthy ones, you know, like exercise. I know a lot of people overuse exercise as a coping mechanism. I underuse it. But uh, it's, it's, it's a, we all have to cope with this reality. And how do we do that? in a way that's more healthy for us and others. 
in a way that's more sustainable, in a way that brings out the best from us, the way that we can look at ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day and say, you know what? I did good today. I was who I wanted to be today. And look, folks, if you're listening and you're looking at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and, and you're not able to say that, please, you, you can. You can learn skills. You can get help. It's not weak. It's strong to grow in this way. It's strong to be somebody who says, you know what? Today, I was the best version of myself. It's so powerful, Josh. You know, we, we have dear friends that uh, helped us launch this show at, at Shots Fired. Uh, shout out to Kyle uh, Schoberg and uh, our friend Mark Radlich, who are officers who have survived multiple critical incidents, mm-hmm. and they have a passion and a mission to educate their brothers and sisters in law enforcement, public safety, TAC ops, special response teams, you know, anybody who wants to listen on the importance of what you just said. You know, we gotta, we gotta have the resiliency to succeed regardless. And in, in this particular industry that, that we're speaking to today as outsiders, as you know, I, I know there's a lot of people out there who love me and, and they know I love them and would do anything for them anytime, anywhere. But, you know, we have people who are using coping skills, and I'll just throw a couple of these out here, that are new words in our dictionary, like doom scrolling, right? I'm going to sit in my vehicle while I am here, you know, maybe doing, uh, you know, an investigative watch, right? Maybe I'm out here doing some detective work. Maybe I'm out here waiting to see when to serve a warrant. Maybe I'm out here, you know, just waiting to see on my watch. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm doom scrolling. Another thing people do is called cyberchondria. You know, Dr. Google misdiagnoses over 35% of adults. And we know that uh, some of us who have night jobs uh, do a lot of vampire shopping. And, and we, we spend more than 30% of those shopping during daylight hours. So you, you talk about mm. coping mechanisms. <laughs> We, yep. We're good at using technology to do what we think is helping us cope. But you did say something, Josh, I want to make sure that everybody is on board with, because many of our shows to date have been on street survival with great folks like Eric Elts talking about the importance of physical fitness and, you know, awareness. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jay Wads, Wadsworth on, uh, over 200,000 followers in the public service public safety, uh, law enforcement, tack ops industry, who's going to be talking about effective combatives. And he and I have had a long talk about self-awareness, which is what six seconds is really all about. And before we get into a li- little bit more, tell us where six seconds came from, because I'm sure some of our officers are, are trying to, to get a handle on that, but it's unique, I believe. Well, uh, I think... <laughs> one reason we're called six seconds is because, look, it doesn't take a lot of time to screw up this emotional stuff, but it also doesn't take a lot of time to do it better. Uh, a few seconds of really paying attention in a new way, a few seconds of, of listening before you respond, a few seconds of slowing yourself down. Now, look, I know there are times when you cannot do that. There are times when it's six seconds, you just do not have it. Uh, but there are a lot of times when you do, and we need to pay attention to those times when, yeah. when you, 
you can pause and slow down and make a more conscious, intentional choice. Now, the, the neuroscience of this is fascinating. The, the other reason we're called six seconds is that emotions are chemicals. They exist in our brains and bodies. There are lots of different chemicals running around. They're part of our regulatory system. You can pretend to be, you know, Mr. Spock and have no emotions, but biology doesn't lie. The emotions are there. The chemicals are there. They're part of what regulate your heartbeat. They're part of what regulate your digestion, your reproductive system, your immune system. They're, they regulate the way you think. They regulate what you pay attention to. So the emotions are there, even if you're unconscious of them, even if you're in denial about it. They're there. They're affecting you. They're shaping every thought, every action. And these little chemicals go running around in our brains and bodies as part of our regulatory system. And these chemicals last for about six seconds in our brains and bodies. Now, uh, I'm sure many of us have experienced a feeling, strong feelings for a lot longer than six seconds. And what's happening in that case is we're recreating, recreating, recreating. And we might be saying, you know, can you believe that? Bleep, 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 You know, what a da-da-da-da-da. And like as we have those thoughts spinning and cycling, we recreate, recreate, recreate those feelings and they start to escalate. Neuroscientists call this a cascade effect until it's affecting our whole bodies and our whole bodies are moving into that reactive state. And in that reactive state, we're not at our best. Yeah, you really, you really tapped into where we're going today and we're going to come back from a quick break, Josh, and dive a little deeper into what happens when we go into that unknown six-second escalation without being mindful and recognizing that we have so much capacity to make a difference in our own self-awareness. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. Don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. And we have so much to share, so come right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate. Impact. And transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. 
The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. So welcome back here to Strategies for Turbulent Times, a plan for the unknown. This is Dr. Cat. Today, Captain Matt is Unfortunately, he is in a region of the world where he cannot be reached, but we are having a really exciting conversation here with a wonderful person, Josh Friedman, who is the CEO and founder of Six Seconds. We we went to break talking about where that name came from, Josh, and I want to really jump right in here to some of the things uh, that really uh, help us all connect. And in one of those is talking about a time that we can all be vulnerable when we had a plan uh, well thought out in in many cases in in public safety and law enforcement. uh, These plans can in fact deviate quickly and create life-threatening situations if our priority of life is not uh, well thought through. But I want you to think about a time when your plan was taken off track by the unknown and how you were able to survive or succeed regardless due to your skills, your experiences, your training or your knowledge, and your fearless mindset. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it wasn't a fearless mindset. Um, I... How about a, how about a hopeful mind? <laughs> <laughs> it became hopeful. Um, it became a game about service, um, and really, it was connecting with purpose that helped me help me shift back into that hopeful mindset, um, and then maybe act a little more fearless, even though I, I was afraid. Um, and it's recent. I just go back to. Um, March, April, May of 2020. Um, at that point, I'd been I'd founded an organization, been leading an organization for 25 years, and I was really not sure that we would make it through. And if you've ever been in the position where you have your employees who you love calling you up and saying, "Hey, are we going to make it through here? What's going to happen to my salary? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my home?" And you have to say over and over again, "Ah, I don't know. You know how totally shitty that is. And as a a leader, a big part of my, uh, a big part of my job uh, is, you know, going to my board and saying, okay, here's the plan. I know it's going to work. I understand the situation. I understand the global trends. 
I understand tremendous complexities that we're grappling with in the world, and I've got a plan for that. And going to my board and saying, look, I have no idea. I, it's just a wild-ass guess. I have no idea if it's going to work. That is really unpleasant. And I found myself really questioning myself as a leader and really questioning um, my right to call myself a leader and really doubting, um, really doubting myself. And just the deep, deep uncertainty. And I know I was not alone. I know that all over the world, uh, many, many of us were, were grappling with this. And what, what shifted it for me is I had a conversation with one of my colleagues who leads our organization in China. And um, the president of our organization, who's in her uh, 80s, uh, Dr. Annabelle Jensen, she, she once said to me, um, you know, when there's a, a, a health crisis, the Red Cross shows up. When there's an emotional crisis, six seconds needs to show up. Mm. And I was uh, talking with my colleague Natalie and sharing with her how I was was feeling and how uh, I just you know that deep uncertainty had kind of eroded my optimism and my sense that that I I could do something. <clears throat> and Natalie reminded me of Dr. Jensen's wisdom. And then asked me a question, which was, five years from now, when you look back on this, how do you want to have, have shown up? And when you think not, about, did you want, yeah, you when you think do? about this, before you just finish that sentence, I want my audience, I want, I want everybody who's listening to think about how you feel when your sense of pur- purpose is, is at risk, when, when you're thinking, I don't want to do this job anymore. I can't do this job anymore. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to get next week in this job anymore. Mm-hmm. What a powerful opportunity for all of us. And I know we don't see it that way when it happens, right, Josh, we are, we're kind of caught oh, in that shit, thick no. of, that, that negative it trigger was horrible. So, in the moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt. I just wanted to make sure that the audience is getting the relative message here. Yeah. And I think, you know, Kathy, it's not just, a, it's not just mental. It's not just emotional. It's also physical. Like, it's hard to breathe. You know, you feel like you have a weight on your chest. Yeah, and it's spiritual, like you know that just like that, that sort of emptiness of um, disconnection from purpose, disconnection from identity. Who am I? You know, what am I serving? And I, you know, I know that there are. It's usually at three a.m. Right where you wake up, (laughs) start running through those cold sweat. Yeah. Right. And you're just running through that, those questions of like, am I really, is my life really going in a direction that uh, it's worth going in? And um, anyway, that question that Natalie asked me, um, she didn't ask me, you know, when you look back on this five years from now, what did you want to have succeeded in or what did you want to do? She asked me, who do you want to be? 
And I think we are so caught up, and I think this is for for sure something that you know you've experienced if you're in a tech ops space. You have been trained like heck to do, 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 do. You have been trained not to think it through because your survival requires you to just go. And in so many spaces and places where that kind of operational priority uh, and survival priority and protocols are essential, there's a tendency to leave out this question of who are we being. And it's, I'm not saying we, we ignore what we do. I'm not saying we ignore operational safety. I'm not saying we don't, you know, we don't have a, a, a plan of what to do. I'm saying we also need a plan for who to be. And when you look back on that moment five years from now and you say, who was I in that moment? And here's the thing, Kathy. I don't get to control a lot of things. You know, in that moment in, in the spring of 2020, I sure as heck didn't get to control, you know, whether we were going to go into a massive global recession or not. I couldn't control, you know, whether... COVID was going to spread or not. I couldn't, like, I couldn't control whether the events that we had planned for that year, uh, you know, we were still, still trying at that time. So, okay, well, what about this event? Can we do this one? Can we do this in Japan? Can we do this in Italy? Can we do this in South Africa? You know, and the answer kept coming back. No, 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 no. And so like this whole very complex plan of a global organization that had been laid out years ahead of time was just collapsing card by card by card. And I had no control of that. But I did have control about who I was going to be. If you think about this for a moment, you know, who do you want to be? Just, you know, those of you who are listening right now, who do you want to be an hour from now? Who do you want to be when you go home to your kids? Who do you want to be when you, when you talk to uh, a colleague or a citizen who's in distress? You know, and do you want to be um, kind? Do you want to be honorable? Do you want to be compassionate? Do you want to be tough? Do you want to be really strong, not just act strong? Do you want to be insightful? Do you want to have that sharp intuition? Do you want to be somebody who, you know, people later go, you know what, that person, they saw things clearly and they stayed centered on what really matters. All of those things have an emotional component to it. It's not that they're emotional, but remember, our emotions drive every decision we make, every choice that we make, and we communicate with emotions. When you think about who do you want to be, that also translates into what emotional messages are you sending? Are you sending messages of trust? Are you sending messages of safety, of reliability, of competence? Uh, Are you somebody who people look at and go, you know what? I want that person at my back. And that emotional communication, it is happening. It takes less than six seconds. It's happening constantly, automatically, and almost instantaneously. We're sending those messages, receiving those messages. So who you want to be at the end of the day is central to what those emotional messages you want to send. And if you are not tuning into them, you are wasting a huge opportunity. There's so much data for you. And you know what? We talk about situational awareness. 
If you are like close, let's go be situationally aware with our eyes closed. It is the same level of stupid as saying, I want to walk into the situation and ignore all the emotions. When you think about how each of us are walking into an unknown every time we have a human interaction, I think about the fact that we have over 35,000 thoughts a day and Mm. 25,000 of those are about food. You could have, (laughs) right, the best intentions. Hey, do you want to go to lunch? You know, when I worked um, at a... I do. Uh, I do, Kathy. What are we going to have? Yeah. <laughs> I worked at a fairly a large <laughs> agency in, uh, in, in uh, southwest Florida. And uh, the, the command staff would go to lunch at least three days a week together. That's eight people in the command staff from the chief uh, down to the major. Okay. And uh, even a couple of captains and uh, lieutenants would join us on a regular basis. And I say yes because as I was working there for several years, they adopted me and, you know, I would go with them. And it was a great way to see how they were, in fact, engaging with each other over a meal versus in a professional context in the office or on the street. Believe me, there were a couple of times where we left the lunch table, got into our respective vehicles. And a call came over, you know, that required them to go directly to a call, right, to take a call that needed attention uh, by the officers that were there. But it was an opportunity for everybody to enjoy a conversation without necessarily having to be in the thick of that six seconds. And and how many of us do that, really? Um, so as you're speaking and you're talking about getting out of this unknown situation in, you know, 2020, uh, how did that end? Where, where are you now? And tell us about this business case. Well, we stepped up and the whole organization stepped up and um, we lost no employees. Um, We lost 40% of our revenues in 2020, uh, but we lost no employees globally. Um, And, um, and, and we, we made it through 2020 and 21, and actually 22 was, was worse for us, but uh, 23 uh, is going very well. Um, I think that the very big thing I heard from a lot of people uh, was that we did what Dr. Jensen said. And we, we had all over the world, we had our team members holding virtual sessions. We had them three times a day uh, in uh, April, May, June. Uh, we were doing workshops and programs for free all over the world, including for uh, people in law enforcement, people in healthcare, um, people in public service, uh, and just a tremendous outpouring of uh, energy and expertise um, from our community to say, you know what, emotions are very high right now, and uh, it's a very important time for us to at least connect with ourselves and, and connect with each other. And, and I think emotions are still high. I think everybody who's oh. listening here would tell you that they don't get out of the high emotions. It's when they no. you know, maybe get to drive home at the end of a shift, um, even if that's possible these days, uh, that you know they're always in that heightened state uh, of emotion. So talking a little bit about, you know, how do we, how do we do that? Who are we being? 
Um, mm-hmm. What can you tell us about what's going on in the world and in their communities with regard to mm-hmm. emotional intelligence being on the kind of on the on the downslide here? It is. Yeah, we've been sounding this uh, alarm bell for a decade that emotional intelligence is declining globally. Uh, we published the world's largest study of emotional intelligence randomized sample across 139 countries. And in particular, I mean, and I think every officer out there is going to say, yep. In particular, the biggest decline is in emotional self-regulation. We call it navigating emotions, about kind of harnessing emotions and using them intentionally instead of just reacting. That's been the biggest decline in the last decade, and it dropped a lot uh, between 19 and 20. Uh, empathy has declined a lot. Now, it's not all bad news, and I will tell you, we are right in the middle of working on our 2023 release of this data set, and we are seeing some very hopeful shifts, and more on that to come, but uh, it seems like we, we are also, at a, you know, in so many places in the world right now, we're at a turning point. At the same time, Kathy, you know the data, stress levels are at an all-time high, loneliness and disconnection are at an all-time high. Uh, folks are really dysregulated, and I think there are a lot of people who thought, oh, we're going to go back to normal. Well, first of all, normal wasn't that great, but second of all, that's not how it works. Uh, We don't go back, and uh, the the research is problematic. You know, for example, after Hurricane Katrina, there was a lot of trauma. Yeah, hold that thought right there because we got to go to a commercial break, unfortunately. I do have sponsors. I'll share some more bad news. (laughs) <laughs> that I have to give some time to. But for those of you who are listening, I want you to think about this during the break. What and who triggers you? What and who triggers you? And we're going to put the sixsecondsorg backslash bizcase, B-I-Z-C-A-S-E, at our landing page so you can go grab a copy of it because Josh and his folks are kind enough to give us that resource to share with you. But we're going to be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate impact and transcend magnusworks.com that's magnus w-o-r-x.com how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses dr greenberg and dr nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple trusted evidence-based tips and tools 
They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. So welcome back here to uh, our last segment in this episode on dealing uh, with you know, who we are being and a banny environment, that brittle, anxious, negative, and incomprehensible environment. And we talked a little bit about this business case for emotional intelligence that Josh and his colleagues, Michael Miller and Patty Friedman have created. And we're going to make sure you get a copy of that if you go to our website or our landing page. Uh, We'll also throw it out on our Instagram for you. Um, You can also go to six seconds.org. That's the number six seconds.org and look for the business case. But I want to come back here to some helpful ways of being for our audience, Josh. I want you to help us here because we know we don't get any training on emotional intelligence at the academy. You know, I give a shout out every week to those academies and organizations like the National Command of Staff College, the National Innovation Academy, the Public Safety Leadership Academy, and all the folks that have us into hang around uh, in their agency to talk about emotional intelligence, but they don't teach that in the academy. So in the 15 minutes we have left, what can you teach our audience to do about who they are being with EI? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the, the first step is to recognize that your emotions are there for a reason. They're not something mm-hmm. to ignore. Mm-hmm. They're not noise. They're not a distraction. They're a message from you for you uh, about what you're perceiving. Powerful. And if you, you know, if you treat your own emotions, just like any bias, you know, if you, you have unconscious bias, you, we all know this, you, you know, let that bias color the way you assess people, situations, you know, you're going to make worse decisions. Uh, we have widespread bias about emotions, and especially in uh, in places where where people are dealing with a lot of intensity. Um, what one of the ways that people cope with that is to dissociate from emotions, to shove them away, or cover them up with drinking or shopping or other coping mechanisms we talked about. And you know, we we know that's not healthy, and yet we have a cultural norm 
that says, you know, oh, even talking about emotions, that's weak. BS. Talking about emotions is strong. Talking about emotions is smart. It's a part of your insight. It's part of the way you're made. It's part of what gives you brilliance. It's part of what gives you insight. You can call it intuition. You can call it wisdom. You can call it your gut. You know, uh, and even like I've worked with the U.S. Marine Corps. They talk about emotions all the time. They don't use the word emotions. They say, yeah, well, that's right. Right. They say head in the game. Uh, they say got your back. But those are all emotional communications. They're super aware of what's going on with people and recognizing that people are what make, (laughs) what make the Marines, right? And, you know, you, your emotions are part of what makes you. And so shifting your own bias, shifting your own orientation. So, you know what, my emotions, they're part of my wisdom. They're part of my arsenal. They're part of what's going to help me figure out what's really going on for me and others. I'm going uh, to that's be so important more insightful. We, we, you know what we say? We say EI is your weapon for mm-hmm. success. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you're somebody who's like sitting around playing video games and you don't interact with human beings and, you know, you don't like, there's no, there's no like real emotion. It's all simulated. Okay. Well, maybe it's not so important. But if you're somebody who actually like interacts with real human beings and complexity and ambiguity, you are dealing with people who are dysregulated and folks, we're all dysregulated right now. Uh, you've got to be competent in this area and probably even more than competent. You probably have to be excellent in this area. And suppressing emotions is not a path to excellence. Pretending you're a robot is not a path to excellence. And we've got to break that we've got to break that, uh, that myth and that stereotype about what strong is in, in policing and in public service and recognize like it's about people first. And if we're going to be really rational about people, we're going to pay attention that emotions matter. So that that's the first and most pivotal step is, Hey, these emotions, there's value in it. And I'm going to learn to tap that value. And that doesn't mean obey everything you're feeling. That would also be done. But we need to find a middle path, like neither completely ignoring them nor completely obeying them. And I, I think about it, the, one of the pieces of advice that I would give you is think about somebody that you trust to give you good advice. You know, when you've got a challenge, maybe there's a mentor that you have, maybe there's a, a colleague or a superior officer who you you know, you know that when things are kind of complicated, you can go to that person and say, hey, give me your perspective. And, and you don't just completely obey that person, but you don't also completely ignore that person. And I would like you to do the same thing with your own emotions. You feel frustrated? Hey, that's some advice for me. What's going on? What's that telling me about? You feel disappointed. You feel worried. You feel happy. You feel curious. You feel excited. There's not good and bad emotions. They're all just perspectives. And they're telling you something about the situation and what you're perceiving. So just now, it's, it's, you know, it's say, so hey, hard. Just stop on that for one second. You said something really powerful, and I, and I want everybody to hear this because it's so important. Emotions are not good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet it's, it's in the world of, right, this public <laughs> safety um, environment, where we have officers who are in the spotlight because their behavior mm-hmm. is perceived as 
right as good or bad. So as yeah. you as you say that, I want the audience to hear how behavior, right, it, with seasoned professionals or people starting in this industry, how you need to really identify those behaviors, just as you say, they're informing us, right? They're giving us yeah. information. And Kathy, I think we need to really be clear, behaviors are not the same as emotions, right? Mm. And so, like, yeah. sometimes people will say, you know, like, uh, I don't know, I punched that guy because I was angry. No, those are two separate things. You know, I punched that guy and I was angry. There are a lot of ways of being angry that I don't, don't involve in punching somebody. So it's not to say, like, oh, all behavior is neutral. Like, you know, I think people in law enforcement know full well that there's a lot of behavior that is not neutral. But the yeah, emotion, absolutely. right, and how we handle it. And are we, are we, are we going to use that in a way? Are we going to be smarter with those feelings and go, okay, yeah, I'm feeling this. It's telling me something. I'm going to handle this in a positive way or I'm going to handle it in a negative way. And we just want to increase the odds that you are handling it in a positive way and that you're influencing others to handle it in a positive way. And that's so important for us because managing conflict is probably one of the mm-hmm. number one roles of a mm-hmm. public safety professional. And it's just, uh, it's just so difficult when we know that we can get hijacked into what's going on when, in fact, if we listen mm-hmm. to our experiential emotions, those emotions that give us that information, as you said, right, about when this happened before and what was my mm-hmm. bias about that emotion, how can I um, get that back into alignment and recognize this is a norm, this is normal, so that I can notice it, accept it, manage it, and express it using that wonderful name acronym. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so critical. It's so critical. So another piece that I would say just super practically, I said earlier, I know there are times you can't slow down. There are times when it is a life and death split second decision, but that is not most of the time. Yeah. And if you can but distinguish we, and if you can start practicing, is this really urgent? Do I have to, do I have to take action right this second? Yeah. Do I absolutely. have to respond right this second? And I think, I don't know what the percentage, what do you think, Kathy? 80% of the time, 90% of the time, the answer is it's not really urgent. It feels urgent, right? It feels escalated. And in our brains, that sense of like uncomfortableness, discomfort, our brains treat that the same way our brains treat danger. But, you know, discomfort and danger are obviously not the same thing. And so we have to get better at kind of discriminating between those, those experiences and, and tuning up our intuition so that when it truly is dangerous, we don't stop and think. But when it's not truly dangerous, we do stop and think. It, it's, it's fascinating as I'm listening to you, Josh. You know, our, our friend, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, who's the number one trainer for law enforcement in the nation, he says, if you just take a sip of water, you know, mm. carry a bottle of water around with you. And when you get in that state, have a sip of water. And it does mm. so many things for us. And it's also good to carry a bottle of water to give to those people that we're going to have an interaction with who's going to mm. need that bottle of water to do the same thing. And yep. 
you know, often we don't have control of our brain and our mind. And so mm. we don't respond to conflict in a healthy way. But what you just described yeah. is so powerful and it's so authentic for each of us to get our, as we say, head in the game and understand that other people have our back. We have to also take responsibility for prioritizing our feelings, uh, the emotions we have as a result of those feelings and how we want to respond as opposed to react in any moment. Yeah. And the other piece of this that's, that's crucial is we are social animals. And so we are wired to, to pick up these emotional messages from others. And so you're, you're a two-way radio and it's always on. You are broadcasting emotional messages and you're receiving emotional messages. It is always on. Uh, that that is the thing that I want everybody to take away from today, that, you know, we're a two-way radio. We have to make choices about what we want to take in and also what we want to emit. And I think that yep. that is really powerful. We're almost at the end of the show here today, Josh. And as usual, when you and I have My a conversation goodness. on the air or off the air, <laughs> it's so hard. Um, but uh, one last question as we say goodbye. What what is your what is your favorite sock? What is your favorite pair of socks? What do they look like? <laughs> well, I'm wearing an awesome pair of socks right now, Kathy. Actually, I I love darn tough. And you know, <laughs> shout out to my friends at Darn Tough. I I they they just make great, really nice wool socks. <laughs> so they're real soft wool Super. socks, and they're they're kind of cool patterns. So these ones have like uh, blue and white and gray stripes and then kind of a little pattern around the ankle that's kind of like the white diamonds. Well, we, we love to ask that question <laughs> of all of our, all of our guests and uh, expect a pair of socks from us as a thank you. And in the meantime, we want to thank TAC Ops conferences, Northeast, Southwest. We're uh, heading out to Tennessee and DC to spend time with our friends there at TAC Ops. So thanks to the team at uh, TAC Ops conferences. And uh, I think uh, with that said, we're just going to thank everybody for tuning in here every week to learn how to strategize for turbulent times and get your plan for the unknown. We love you. And Come so back you're, soon. Yeah, you're making time. a difference out there. And thank you for, for, for doing, bringing your best. We need it. Uh, we, we love you. You know that, Josh. And everybody, please go to the landing page, grab, grab some information there about Josh and his organization. Until next time, you know we love you. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.